0: Alrighty, um, we are going to be <clears throat> continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we are going to be getting to a couple of sayings that um, are, are kind of well known. One is, um, I think it's pretty popular in that uh, people love it. And, and I think the other one is popular in the sense that people don't like it very much. Uh, and so, I have decided to smash those two together and um, just let them kind of sit together uh, because I think they each give context to the other. Uh, And and throughout the sermon, Jesus has had a number of these sayings that are kind of of popular, especially in the culture today. Um, Some of these are are words about loving our neighbor. Uh, You'll even hear that outside the church sometimes, like, well, we need to love people. But I think what happens with the notion of loving your neighbor is that if a person is not a citizen of the kingdom, if they have not been changed by Jesus, then they get to this point <clears throat> where they have this person, and it is their neighbor, but, but they're difficult. And they get to this spot where it's like, okay, but I don't like them, so I'm, I'm going to walk away from this, because I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm off the hook. Uh, another uh, is... is Jesus' words that we looked at last week about asking and receiving. And it's this idea that sometimes if the person maybe is not changed by Jesus, they get to that and they say, I've asked and I haven't received and I'm, now I'm done. I'm walking away from this. And what, what distinguishes the person who, who does that from the person who has been changed by Jesus is their willingness to stick with one of Jesus' teachings, even when it's difficult, when it's challenging, when it's not what we like, and and when the truth is is kind of harsh and hurts a little bit. The the person who's been changed by Jesus would say, I I may not like that. I I may not even like the way it makes me feel. But Jesus has said it. I believe it is true, and so I must adjust accordingly. I I must take that at, at face value. And so some of these sayings in the sermon are things that even people outside the church, they, they have heard, they may have even said. And the one we're going to, where we're going to start today is I I would wager this is one of the most popular things that Jesus may have ever said. It, it, it's It's so popular that like... Even, even kids in school, from a very young age, they may not be told that this is what it is, but they have heard the statement, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. They teach it to little kids, they, they write self-help books about it, and they have like, people speak at big conferences just on this idea. And what's interesting is that it's so popular that about 500 years ago, They decided to name it four or five hundred years ago. They said, you know what, this is so prominent in our day-to-day lives and our theology, we've got to call this something. And so in many of you, if you look in your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter seven, and we're actually going to start in verse 11, but if you look in there, you may have a heading that says the golden rule. And I want to say, Jesus did not call it that. Jesus didn't say this and say, hey guys, I'm getting ready to give you the golden rule. This is number one. That was later. Somebody took that about 1,500 years after Jesus and said, man, this is pretty important. Uh, people are using it all the time. It is the basis on which we can interact with each other well. We've got to name this thing. And they called it the golden rule. And the golden rule says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way you want to be treated, is is how I think it is often said today. And what's interesting is people like this one. Um, People like it because its focus is on on us. How do I want to be treated? Okay, now I will try to do that to other people. People like it. It's, It's pretty popular today. It may not be attributed to Jesus, it may not be credited to him as, hey, you know, Jesus taught this, little kids, and we're going to try to do this in kindergarten class, but but it's out there. This notion is is part of how we we raise and teach young people to navigate those things where it's like, well, I don't really know what is right in this moment, and you can give them, well, how how would you feel if someone did this to you? But when Jesus says this, he, he is not creating this, this like life rule to just, well, if I do this, I'll be good. He's not just creating a, a short saying that we can hold on to and say, okay, now I, have, I have this, and, and if I just keep... He's not trying to get us this little, little saying to live by. It, it, it is that but it's much more than that. Remember, Jesus is expounding the movement of the kingdom. He's trying to communicate something about the kingdom and how we live and how the kingdom is going to interact both on this earth and in the kingdom to come. So today, like I said, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 11. Um, And as you turn there, just a a real quick reminder, Jesus is on a hillside with, with a group of outcasts. And and. Some of them, we find out uh, in in the end of 4 and beginning of 5, have actually begun to follow Jesus not just for a a handout or a meal or, or a healing, but they have begun to follow him in the capacity of a disciple. That is, one who wants to associate with, learn from, and be more like this teacher, this Jesus. They have taken up the mantle of disciple, some of these people. And like last week, I want to take just a couple of pertinent teachings from before in the passage and in the sermon, because Jesus gave it in one go. So some of the things Jesus has already said are going to be important to figuring out what this golden rule has to do with anything. Uh, And the the first is Jesus' teaching about the law. So when Jesus starts talking about the law, he tells them that he has come to fulfill the law. And what's interesting is after Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law, he then goes on to take the law and make it even more extensive. I say to you, you have have heard that it is written, but I say to you. That is his pattern. And in all these, in his teaching on anger and lust and divorce and and promises and payback, he takes the law and and he shows that the heart of the law is much greater than just doing it and then he still holds to the fact that he has fulfilled that for us. Jesus has moved into some practical points about how to live that out, and now he is moving out of his words about asking and seeking and knocking. And what's weird is is he's, again, he's on a roll, ask, seek, knock. We're not supposed to judge others. We're, We're in a train of thought here. And then he just kind of plops this rule down kind of right in the middle, and says, do unto others as they, you would have them do unto you. And it, and it is right before he transitions to the close of his sermon, which is a bunch of warnings for us. Warnings for his disciples. Warnings for people who have called on the name of Jesus, who are members of the kingdom. And so it is as if this golden rule acts as a pivot point. From the practical, how do we live this out? To these warnings. How do we move forward, and what do we need to be careful of? And so in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 11, Jesus says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for Jesus and and his sermon on the hillside to these outcasts, some of which have, have become disciples, have decided to follow Jesus. I pray that as we um, seek to do that ourselves, seek to follow Jesus, I pray that as we, we come to this golden rule and this, this idea of a narrow gate, that, that we would be open to changing maybe how we think about the golden rule. I pray that that as we um, do this, your Spirit would move in us and challenge us as we as we go from here later today. In your name, we pray. Amen. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. It's so simple. <laughs> I'm, if you would not like it, don't do it to somebody else. It's pretty basic. And, it, and what's great is it's really helpful. Um, you can troubleshoot so much with this. Little kids get this. If it, They have feelings. They know that they don't like people doing certain things. And if you say, hey, you don't like it when someone does that to you. Why are you doing it to them? It, they get it. Sometimes they get frustrated, but they get it. it, it and on the surface... It's an easy move forward. Like, we can, we can have these hard moments where it's like, well, how do I love my neighbor? How do I do that well? Especially when my neighbors, have you met the guy? Like, how do I do this? And Jesus is, he gives us this rule, and, and it really does help. Well, treat them the way you would want to be treated. At, at bare minimum, we can start there. Um, and on the surface, it, it, it's, it's so easy it's almost too easy. And you might be thinking, well, okay, now I've sought God, and I feel like in seeking God that I I am finding God. I'm discovering more about who God is. I feel like I'm getting closer to God, or at least I feel like I'm doing the right things to get closer to God. And how do I live all this out? And Jesus would say, "You, you don't need to know all the context of someone's life. I don't need to know all about their story to do this. That's why it's so helpful. This is a basic rule that you can follow for anybody. It works. Think about how you would want to be treated and do that thing to them. Or don't do that thing to them, often is the case. And it removes our excuses, first of all. We might be tempted when we hear, we'll love your neighbor, do these things, to go, well, but I don't really know who they are or all about them, so I feel like I don't really have to. Jesus is like, well, at bare minimum, treat them the way you'd want to be treated. We can all do that. It, it's, it's really simple. And, and I ask the students often at the school where I work, um, I, I put it to them when they're frustrated about something someone has done. And I said, listen, all you can do is manage your stuff. That's their stuff. So now you need to think about how what they did makes you feel. And hold on to that, because in a week, you're going to have a moment where that's going to need to be at the front of your brain and go, ah, I need to stop now. And they they get it. They're frustrated when I say it, but they get it. But Jesus, it is. Even though this is a simple and easy kind of guide to life, it is so much more than that. Jesus is not here to try to teach us how to be nice to each other. That would be good, but that's not his goal. His goal is to not try to get everybody to be really nice to each other, it's a product. But being nice only goes so far. it has an end date. It has a shelf life. Jesus' statement in this rule is so much more than that. He says, do to others as you would have them do to you, and he says that it is the law and the prophets. I I would challenge you, um, it would be really funny if when kids hear this, if they hear it in school, if that was tacked on at the end, and make sure we're treating others the way we want to be treated, because that's the law and the prophets. That would get people's attention so quick. And, and when Jesus said, it's the law and the prophets, the Jewish people gathered there that day would have understood that Jesus is saying something about this teaching. He's saying that the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, this teaching kind of contains all of that. It is what all of that is trying to communicate. And we might hear that and go, well, that seems way boiled down. But if we read the Old Testament and we go through it, we are going to find that the Old Testament is a story of God choosing a people and using that people to bring all people to him. And if they did unto others as they wanted done unto them, they want to be a part of the people of God. And if the people of Israel went about that and said, you know what, we want the land, we want the promise, we want to seek God, often they did not. And if they sought to interact with the people around them that way, Jesus is like, this is is the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you seek to do that, you can go through all those laws and you're going to be pretty safe on most of them, if not all of them here. Do unto others. It's good. But, but there is four important aspects I want to look at about how the golden rule assists us and challenges us a little bit today. And the first here is that the golden rule troubleshoots a process marred by sin. In verse 11, Jesus allows them to rely on God's ability to give good gifts. He says, You know, your Father who is in heaven gives good things to those who ask him. And that is in contrast, as Jesus has already said, those who are evil, they have sin, they have a problem. And and it's as if he is taking that and he's saying, Listen, you, you have this sin problem, you have evil. And even though you understand how to give good gifts, sometimes that evil is going to cause problems between you and your neighbor, you and God. And when we get to the point of, well, how, how do I do all these things that Jesus has said, this, this simple rule troubleshoots that. It, it causes us not to worry, about like, oh, if I'm evil, how am I going to be able to love my neighbor? Jesus says, do unto them as you would have them do to you. You still have sin, but, but it doesn't get bogged down in the, well, am I doing more harm than good if I am evil? And it helps us move forward. It gives us a place to start. He tells them, and maybe, maybe you hear that, and you feel the effect of sin. You're like, yeah, I, I, I do struggle with loving my neighbor. I do struggle with, with not being anxious and laying my treasures up in heaven and not judging others. Maybe you feel that effect of sin and you hear Jesus say, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you and you hear that and you go, but sometimes it's really hard. Like, sometimes I almost want to tell people that I would like someone to whop me in the head just to be able to do it. No, that's not the point. And you feel stuck a little bit. It's like, okay, I understand here, but I feel stuck. I get the rule, I understand the notion. How do I move forward from that interaction? How do I proceed? At minimum, we can't go wrong with doing unto them as they do, as we would want them to do to us. But the second thing Jesus is getting at, and this is tied to his words about judging others, is this notion that if we have received help, if, if somebody has helped us, especially through sin in our life, And we know what would be beneficial. The loving response then to someone is to help them in turn. Jesus, when he talked about the the plank in our eye and the speck in our brother's eye, he doesn't say never ever help them. But what he does say is deal with your stuff first so that way you're able to help them and it's not marred by hypocrisy. And if you've ever had someone, imagine that you, you just have this graveling thing in your eye, and you, you can't get it out. It's causing all sorts of problems. And you see people, and they're like, oh, man, that, that's awful. I hate to see that. You know, we're praying for it. That's great. But imagine that there was somebody who walked up and said, oh, that is awful. And then they walked away, and a week later, you're still struggling with it, and you found out that that person has already walked that, they've already done it, they have, they, they know the exact remedy to that problem, and their response was, oh, man, that is really awful, I hope it gets better, and they walked away. It would be so frustrating. We would want them to say something, hey, you've you got to try this, um, this will help you. We would want their help. And so if we take this back to Jesus' notion of of the the speck in the log, we too, if we would want their help, we should be thinking, how can I lovingly step up and help someone in a way that is productive? I would want them to do it to me. And Jesus says then, at, at minimum, I can do that unto them. A couple years ago, I I came into the church office uh, in the summertime, uh, really reefing on my eye. Uh, Seasonal allergies, pretty much April through September, are just bad for me. Um, And my eye is red and like watering and you kind of got the squint going on. And Ben, he turns to me and he's like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, here we are. And he just reaches in his desk drawer and he pulls out this little bottle and he said, hey, try this stuff. Um, Zatator product placement No, uh, And he says here like, try this stuff it's great I use it and, I, and I'll kid you not never go back it's, it's the best but imagine I walk in and my eye is all red and, and Ben sits there and he goes man I, I remember when I had that problem and man I, I'm sure glad I figured out that this stuff is better than the other stuff hopefully he does too one day That would be so frustrating. And I'm very thankful um, because it's actually cheaper than what I used to buy anyway. But But Jesus' implication and challenge is this. Part of doing unto others is empathizing with where they are now and reflecting on how we may have been there at one point. It's saying, before I was saved, I was not. I know what it's like to have been there. I want to do unto you as I wish someone would have done unto me or someone did do unto me at that point. The third aspect of this this golden rule is a challenge for us not to do the bare minimum. I think a lot of times uh, when people get to this verse, and I kind of let the cat out of the bag on this early, is, is they get to it and they use it as a way to Wipe over, okay, now we did that and we can move on. But very few of us, when we sit down and we really think about it, and we think, how do I want people to treat me? Very few of us think that and go, I hope everybody I meet today does the bare minimum with me. Just just does enough and then leaves me to struggle with the rest. We want someone to go the extra mile for us. We want someone to to go to the extra effort for us. It it feels really nice. It makes things so much more simple. It does not leave us struggling with, well, I guess I'll figure it out on my own. And so if if we are challenged to do unto others, Jesus is challenging us to, to go above and beyond with each other. Don't leave it halfway done. If we see a problem, we move into it as a solution. It's active. And that is the first and and one of the main differences with how the culture interacts with this. The culture looks at this rule and they tack it on as like a passive solution. And Jesus, as we're going to see, he is applying it as an active response. Look for how we can do unto others. The fourth aspect here, and this is really the crux of the golden rule, and that is the spiritual implications of the golden rule. Because while the first three aspects of this, I think even even those outside the church would say, "I I can get on board with that. I like the idea of going above and beyond. That sounds really good. Imagine a world where everybody did that. This verse, this rule, has spiritual implications. Jesus is talking about a kingdom. It is a spiritual kingdom that can be experienced on this earth here now and will be experienced in full in the future. And so when he says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, there is a spiritual matter here. when we bring it all together, Jesus says when we make a judgment at the beginning of chapter 7, he says we should do so lovingly. We should do so in a way which addresses and restores from sin and helps in a time of trouble and helps address someone's struggle. And then Jesus teaches about seeking God and finding God. And if we bring those together to build on where Jesus is going when Jesus says, do unto others, if we ignore the notion of, of sin in contrast to the loving Father, we're going to miss some of the sense. And in, in essence, Jesus' words here are, are to judge others in a way that lovingly addresses sin because we have been there before. Not targeting, not belittling, not leaving them with no help, going above and beyond. And likewise, when we see someone seeking after God, help them find their way to the kingdom. It's so tempting when someone starts to seek after God to sit on the sidelines and go, yes, I'm the cheerleader now. Woo, good job. Keep going. That's great. But get in next to them. Say, hey, I'm, st- I'm still seeking this too. And, and I've, I've been in that spot. Let me help you along here. The easiest way to do this is, is to take time and think about how it was before you were saved. In that moment, before Jesus, and in that state, you may have thought to yourself, I want nothing to do with Jesus. And in that moment, we may have heard the golden rule and said, you know what I want you to do to me? I want you to leave me alone. That's what I want, so go ahead and do that to me. Because that's what I want. And, And if we just take the golden rule at face value and we just move forward, we can see how this can get messed up. Praise God that at some point, someone in our lives didn't do that, that they said, you know what, no. I understand the spiritual significance of what Jesus says here, and I'm not going to leave you alone on this. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to continue to show you Jesus. I'm going to continue to pray that you would Find the doors of this kingdom. Treat others the way you would want to be treated. Because if you have sought God, and you have found Jesus, and you have begun to participate in this kingdom through that relationship with God, if at some point you have had someone lovingly show you what Jesus is like, any of this, How we practice doing unto others is doing everything in our power to show and communicate and display the love of the king to them. With the goal, not that they would look at it and go, oh my goodness, that person really loves Jesus. But that they would call him king too. That's the goal. It's important because those changed by the king know the truth of the king. And if you hear this and you go, okay, well, but like, aren't we, we're stretching this golden rule a little thin now. You might feel that. Like it, it might feel like, okay, it's razor thin. We have, we have rolled it out as far as it can go. It is tied to Jesus' first warning. At the end of this passage, in, in verse 13, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide And the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. He says, the gate is wide, and the way is easy, which leads to destruction. A wide gate seems like a pretty good idea. It's really good at getting stuff through it. Uh, When we moved to our house last year, um, I used to have a riding mower because my old lawn was a disaster and kind of big, and when we moved, I I went to put my mower in my backyard and it didn't fit through the gate. (laughs) Uh, So I sold my mower, and we even talked about, well, do we take part of the gate down and then about 30 feet past the gate is the air conditioning unit that is not going to go by. And it's like, well, man, a big gate would have been real nice. Like, w- when we're when we go on a trip, um, Anna and I take a take a trip to Idaho every every November. And sometimes we go in the summer too, but the one in November is always dicey because we always have to do the trip check, because you're rolling the dice if the roads are just going to be solid ice on the pass. And when we think of a way, a road, a nice, easy road it, it, it's so good. But the, the problem here is, is our notion of a gate is so much different. Our gates separate like our front yard from our back and like keep our pets in. But they had gates at the entrances to their cities. It was was the means by which someone entered the city. And the other thing in their mind would have been the gate to a sheep pen, which is often the shepherd standing in this enclosure to separate the outside from the inside. Their their gates are different. And, And first of all, a really wide gate, man, you can let some wild stuff in. People can sneak in the edges. You can probably bring a whole cart of stuff into that city. A lot of people can get in by a wide gate. And the road up to the gate, Jesus says, easy. You can pack all your stuff. It's easy to carry it all. A wide gate and an easy road. And I I think if if you took this out of its context and you shared that with someone they would hear it and go, that sounds great. Uh, An easy trip, and when I get to the end, I can fit all my stuff through, and they're going to welcome me with open arms. That sounds awesome. That's what the culture wants. That's what it promotes. Everything is good. Everything that you feel is valid. And, And just comfort all the way to the end. An easy life, All our choices validated. And when we get to the end, we'll have no problem because everybody gets in. And I'm going to be honest with you, that would be really nice. (laughs) Except Jesus says at the end that this easy road and this wide gate, on the other side of it is a kingdom filled with destruction. And you might hear that and go, why does that have to be the case? Jesus Why? It seems so good. Why does it... And here's here's the problem. It's because that's the truth. Jesus, for the first time in his sermon, is delivering big bad news. Maybe the second time. He he said they were evil already. But he, he says you know, this easy road and this wide gate on the other side of it is a kingdom filled with destruction. That doesn't sound so great. Like, I'll take the easy road, wide gate, but like, not the stuff on the other side. And we would say, okay, well, well, then how do I get to a different kingdom characterized by not destruction? In in this case, Jesus says it, it is a kingdom of life. How do I get there? Please let the road be easy too. Please. Jesus says the way is hard and the gate at the end is narrow. And I want to tell you it is incredibly narrow. It's not just like a little shy. It is incredibly narrow. Jesus says the way is hard and the gate is narrow that leads to life. Why? Why does it have to be that way? Does it have to be that way? Why can't the way be easy, and the gate wide, and there's life on the other end of that? That sounds good. (laughs) And again, in short, because that isn't real. That isn't true. And what makes Jesus' teaching the golden rule stand out here is it is not for good feeling. It is not to sit here and say, yep, you're right, everything's going to be okay. Jesus says, no. There is a road that leads to destruction. And there is a road that leads to life. And he could have left it, but he says, nope. And the road that leads to life is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And if you hear that and you say, man, if somebody wanted to really get people involved with his kingdom, he would just not tell them that. Like, just, Jesus, just let them figure it out. But Jesus knows that this is true, and so he values saying what is true over being nice here. Because it would be really nice to like, make sure their feelings are all in place and say, you know what? There's a kingdom that leads to life. It's that way. And then just kind of watch as they go down. And, okay, ah, it's starting to get rough. you know the gate is narrow at the end. You are likely barely going to fit through it. Especially And you're me. And you, you will, and you will have to leave behind and forsake many pleasures along the way. You're going to have to dump them on the roadside. And as you forsake those things that once comforted you, you will find that the road does get more difficult. You have less to travel by. The road is getting more and more difficult. And you would ask yourself, why would anybody go that way? (laughs) Don't you know the road is hard? It's because people who find themselves walking the difficult path, they find themselves on this path. They know the gate at the end is incredibly narrow. And they do so because they believe Jesus. They believe what he has said. That's it. It is faith. It's not logic. It's not, well, it feels right. It's faith. It's faith that this road will be worth it. What's interesting here, and the trick is, when we choose this road, this this difficult path, say, okay, I'm choosing Jesus. We begin to move down the road and, and if anybody has ever told you that if you believe in Jesus your life will get better, um, one day, but it will, it will have difficulty before then. I, I'm here to tell you that. When we believe in Jesus and we choose this path and we are seeking God, what we find is we begin to, even though we're losing our, our baggage and our luggage and we can't keep it, we find a travel companion we we draw near to god jesus what is interesting is the king meets us on the road and he's the one that says hey listen you're going to get to this gate and it's going to be incredibly narrow and you're, you're clinging on to this thing for comfort. You're clinging on to this thing for security. You're looking at it as your hope and you need to let that go and let me pull you on towards this kingdom. The king meets us on the road. It doesn't make the road any more <laughs> easy to travel. It does, but it, it, in short, it's not going to feel that way at first. And as we find Jesus, we find that as we travel with Jesus and we seek God along this way, we find that he makes us continually more and more ready for the day we arrive at that gate. That is what we're doing. When, when pastor does this, discovering spiritual maturity, that's part of that. Discovering what maybe it is that we need to do next to make us more ready for the kingdom. More like Jesus. That way when we get to the end, we'll go, Perfect fit. I love this. I love this kingdom. When we arrive at the gate, we knock. One of the things we'll notice here in this kind of analogy that Jesus has set up is that this gate is incredibly narrow. For the sake of the analogy, we're going to look at it and we're going to go, There's no way that I can get through that. That's the point. We can't. We will have nothing. We will be able to carry nothing into this gate. We will not be able to add anything to the gate to make it better to get through. We will arrive at it and we will have nothing and we will say, I can't even get through. And Jesus will help us through. Jesus is the only way into the kingdom of God. He's not a way. He is the only way. And you can see how that gate gets really narrow. And that road gets really difficult. Because if you, if, if you know that, if you believe that, okay, I, I know that Jesus is my only hope to be a part of the people of God there's some stuff we might have to leave behind. And when you're asked how will you enter? Something that you learned along the way is the only way you enter is because of Jesus. That's it. That's your means of entry. It's not Jesus and the five good things I figured out along the way. It's not even Jesus and I did the golden rule perfect every time. It's it's Jesus alone. Jesus' work on the cross is the means by which we will enter into the kingdom. And if we try to bring our accomplishments and our comfort and our pride or our identities and our knowledge or good deeds and collections and friends and family and drag them in with us, it's not going to work. It's not Jesus. It's Jesus and nothing. All we have as means for entrance is Jesus and faith in him alone that is admission into the kingdom. And if we know that, and you're like, okay, Hunter has now done two half lessons. If we know that, if we know that Jesus is the only means by which we can become a part of God's kingdom, have a relationship with God, and we know that the wide and easy path and the wide gate is dangerous at the end, and we see someone at that moment where they're like, man, I feel like I'm at a, at a, I don't know, a crossroads. We have the charge from Jesus here to do unto them as we would have someone do unto us. And they might not like it. hey, I know that this seems right, and it seems like it's going to feel really great, but I promise you, at the end of this road, at the end of this life, it's destruction. They might not want to hear that, but if we don't take the spiritual significance of the golden rule, we will go, I will leave you alone. If a person could tell you exactly how to navigate this so that way the, the end result is life, and you said, Yes, tell them, please. <laughs> because once you get on that road and you begin to draw near to your God and you are approaching that kingdom, you are going to look back and go, They did do unto me as I would have done unto them. They did. The problem is, is, is Jesus is not teaching about being nice and being comfortable. He's talking about his kingdom. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And maybe if we pursued this reality of the golden rule, we may very well see more and more people standing outside that narrow gate with only Jesus' means of entry. And as Jesus and his work on the cross is the only entrance into the kingdom, all others will prove to be baggage. They cannot get you in. And it is that truth and it's that reality that, that we remember when we come to communion. That, that it is through faith alone and Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins that we are saved. That's what we remember at communion. And so... As you as you approach communion this morning, I, I would I would encourage you to be thinking about the difficult truth, because the, the difficult truth is Jesus died for us, and in His death on the cross, accomplished something on our behalf. It is the forgiveness of sins, if we choose Jesus alone. Call on Him in faith alone. That's what we remember at Communion.